the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. Great to have you joining us today. And we are going to conclude, after many episodes, our focus and theme of setbacks and comebacks with something that I think is a lot of fun, which is my list of the top 10 greatest comebacks of all time. And we will dig into that in, in just a moment. But before we do, just want to say that we've got one more episode coming this year in 2022, and, and it is one that I uh, really hope that you'll listen to. I think it can help you uh, quite a bit because it's, it's entitled 10 Life Lessons Learned This Year, 10 Life Lessons Learned This Year, so Powerful, powerful stuff. We all need to to learn the lessons. And it it goes along with the setbacks and comebacks idea of, you know, learn the lesson, look for the lesson. And even if you don't have major setbacks, there's lessons to be learned for sure. And by the way, the first episode of the new year is going to be 15 daily habits for a successful year. So those are are coming up. Those are coming up, and then we're going to launch into something I'm going to call Dream Year, make 2023 your dream year. So we got a lot of good stuff in the future, but we're going to finish out this year with the 10 life lessons learned. But today we're going to focus on finishing out this theme of comebacks and setbacks and comebacks with the 10 greatest comebacks. And before that, I'll just say a few things. One is I'm really excited about my new year. I've got a couple of very exciting, very exciting new endeavors that I'm going to get involved with. And uh, as those become more definable and clear, I'm going to, I'll share those with you, but I'm excited. And uh, as always, I just would point you to rickmcdaniel.com. One of the things we now have is a, 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 like a donate button. So if you enjoy this podcast, we don't have any uh, advertisers. We don't we don't have anybody that supports it per se. So we, we'd appreciate your support. If you've been listening this year and they're like, I got a lot of good content out of this podcast this year. Um, you can make a, a tax deductible donation we're 501c3 nonprofit so you can make a donation for your uh, for tax purposes you you'll be able to do that and and we obviously would greatly appreciate uh, any help that you can give we'll take it we appreciate it greatly and we're happy that we now have this people of sent checks and stuff before but now you can do it the simple easy way and just click the button and they're nice, safe, and secure with your debit or credit card or whatever you want to do. So if you're willing to do that, great. It's not too late to get This Is Living, my book for uh, a Christmas gift. I think you still have some time. I know you do. Uh, Amazon can still get it there in time. So great, inexpensive gift to get. And my book sales have gone up here in this month as people are doing exactly what I'm talking about. They're buying the book as a gift. So you can do that. And of course, it is a great thing to get for yourself for the new year. 
It is absolutely a perfect thing to have uh, to start your new year. Say, okay, every day I'm going to read this little two page, three minutes of reading and get myself motivated, inspired for the day. And that's what this is living will give you 100 of those readings. So get a copy now. And right when the new year starts, you can jump right into it. So hope you'll do that. All right. So let's talk about the top 10 greatest comebacks. So first of all, how do you come up with such a list? You know, what's your criteria? So here is my criteria, the measurement that I used. The nature of the setback and the prominence of the comeback. So the measurement for each was simply What's the span, the greatness of the span, you might say, between the setback and the comeback? I mean, there's been many great comebacks in history, and I believe there are many more to come, including yours. But there's certain comebacks that simply stand apart for various reasons. And as we go through this list, you'll see that not all of them are even individual comebacks. Some of them are team or even country comebacks. So here goes. Let's jump in. And I'm going in descending order. So I'm going to start at what I would consider to be number 10 and work my way down to number one. And I'm going to say number 10 is the actor Robert Downey Jr., he had a great amount of success at a young age. He starred in, in in a number of films in his very early part of his life in the 80s and 90s. He received a, an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor for the 1992 film Chaplin. I mean, think about that 30 years ago. But after this promising start, he started to have problems in his personal life. And over a five or six year period, he was arrested numerous times on drug related charges. And in April 1996, he was arrested for possession of cocaine, marijuana and a 357 Magnum while speeding down Sunset Boulevard. He was sentenced to three years probation required to go and undergo mandatory drug testing. But that first arrest didn't stop his destructive behaviors. His setback continued. A year later, he missed a court-ordered drug test and had to spend four months in Los Angeles County Jail. But even the jail time didn't change his behavior. He missed another drug test in 1999, sentenced to three years at the California Substance Abuse Treatment Facility in state prison. He received a really good break when he was unexpectedly released early for previous time served. But the addiction was so strong, he was arrested again. And in 2001, July, he pleaded no contest, avoided jail time because of California's Proposition 36 aimed at helping nonviolent drug offenders to overcome addiction through court-ordered rehabilitation. Finally, in 2004, he decided and he told uh, or he told Oprah in 2004, you know, um, it's not hard to overcome these problems. It's hard to decide that you actually are going to do it. After five years of setbacks, he decided he was going to have a comeback. And really, things really took off when he was in that crazy film, Tropic Thunder, Best Supporting Actor uh, nomination. And then, of course, he landed the role in Iron Man. And boy, oh boy, that that has turned into an incredible franchise for him. Entertainment Weekly named him Entertainment of the Year. Time named him as one of the 100 most influential people in 2008. And so here he's had the Iron Man and Sherlock Holmes, which 
also earned him a Golden Globe for best performance. So he has had an incredible comeback. He's one of the most well-known actors, but boy, oh boy, he was he was really in a bad place for a long time. Next would be Josh Hamilton, first overall pick of the draft in 1999 with Tampa Bay, but got got in a car accident and got him on injured reserve. And during that time when he was missing a lot of games because of injuries, he started self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. And it just, it didn't, can, he got suspended, put in treatment program, but that didn't stop. And finally he was suspended indefinitely because he'd become a full-blown addict and, and substance abuse has taken over his life. So again, similar in, in this way to, Robert Downey Jr., the difference, of course, being he's an athlete, so it's a little different with his body. One morning, he woke up on his grandmother's doorstep, and and it just looked really, really, really bad for him in terms of what his future was going to be. But he decided, you know, I had to, to change. I had to to make a difference in my life. He went to, to faith. He, he uh, tells a story of uh, how he said that he had a dream and he felt that Jesus' presence was with him and he, did, he had peace. He wasn't scared and he felt like God is going to help him turn it around. And he had a remarkable comeback, selected to his first all-star team in 2008. Then he was in the home run derby and set an opening round record at that time, 28 home runs, second most home runs all time ever with 35 at that point. And, and that was just a that was a huge thing because it really got a lot of immediate attention. And then three straight years, all-star team 2010. He won the batting title. He was the MVP of the American League, was also the MVP of the ALCS. Just, again, amazing to basically have almost lost his life and his career and then to turn it around and take a team, the Rangers that had never won an American League pennant and lead them to two pennants, World Series appearances, uh, MVP, an amazing, an amazing turnaround, a remarkable turnaround. All right, let's switch out of out of that f- to acting and in, in sports and entertainment to Ulysses S. Grant, one of our former presidents. You know, I don't know if you know much about him, but he has quite a story. Of course, he was both a general and a president, an American hero, really, in the true sense of the word. But an amazing story. His his life story is pretty remarkable. Was kind of um, an introverted guy, soft-spoken, went to West Point, came an army officer, served in the Mexican-American War, and then was sent out to, to the new Oregon Territory out west. He did not like it at all, didn't like the climate, didn't like being separated from his wife and children. And in his depression, he drank too much and he ended up quitting the army, gave up his officer commission and went home. Tried his hand at a couple different things failed at real estate and in business and actually was working in his family's tannery if you can imagine that making very little money when the civil war broke out the union army contacted him since he was a west point graduate had combat experience in the mexican-american war and asked him to rejoin and he decided to do that actually didn't do very well 
uh, in his first battle, but then he had a great victory at Fort Donaldson and then won big, big battle at Shiloh. And that got the attention of President Lincoln, who was going through many different generals trying to find one that could actually end this war. And he said, you know, I think I found the guy who can get the job done. And so he said Grant was somebody who actually would fight. So Grant got promoted until he was the top general of the Union forces. And he's the one who won the Civil War, um, not with fancy maneuvers or clever strategy, but just by confronting the Confederate Army in the field and defeating them. He was a guy that had like a rumpled uniform and unkept beard, ever present cigar, was not, you know, the perfect look, but he's the guy that accepted the surrender of the Confederates from General Lee at Appomattox uh, in Virginia, which is the state in which I am recording this right now. He then became elected president of the United States. In fact, he was reelected two terms as president. And there were they were terms with political and financial scandals, although none were directly involving him. But he managed to bring a calming influence to the country and peace to the North and South. The, the culmination of his comeback was his memoirs. He lo- wrote that when he left the presidency. And the book Memoirs uh, is about his life. And it became at that time the best-selling book in American history. The only book that sold more would be the Bible. This shy boy from humble beginnings who really failed in the early part of his life had an incredible comeback to be the top general that won the Civil War, the biggest war, biggest awfulest thing that's ever happened in our country, elected president twice, and then wrote the best-selling book at that time. That is an amazing comeback, an amazing turnaround. All right, how about to the sport I love, football and Kurt Warner, Super Bowl champion, two-time NFL MVP, Hall of Famer. But, man, he had some, some real setbacks in his life. He played at the University of Northern Iowa, went undrafted, was invited to try out for the Packers, but was released. No other options, so he took a job working at a grocery store in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, making $5.50 an hour and worked as a graduate assistant coach for Northern Iowa's football program. No NFL team was giving him an opportunity, so he signed with Arena Football, Iowa Barnstormers, and during his two seasons in Arena Football, he was named First Team All-Arena and led his team to two Arena Bowl appearances. Finally, the Rams signed him in 1988, but they allocated him to NFL Europe. There was a league in NFL Europe, but by the way, uh, one of my friends used to coach there, uh, This team, Amsterdam Admirals, he led the league in touchdowns and passing yards. And then he came back to the Rams as their third string quarterback. But 1999 would really change his entire life and career because Trent Green, the starter, tore his ACL and Warner became the starter. He had never been a starter in the NFL. actually played virtually no football in the NFL at that point. He would have one of the best seasons all time. 4,353 yards passing, 41 touchdown passes, completion rate of 65%. This high-powered offense that he led was called the greatest show on turf, and they went to the Super Bowl and won over the Tennessee Titans. He threw for 414 yards and was named Super Bowl MVP. 
Seventh player to be an MVP of the league and a Super Bowl MVP. He won a second MVP when he again led his team to the Super Bowl where they lost to the Patriots in a very close game. You may remember they stopped his receiver who caught the pass from Warner at the like the one yard line. Amazing. Uh, that was an, an, an amazing Super Bowl for sure. After all this incredible comeback success, two MVPs in three seasons, he had another setback when he injured his throwing hand. He couldn't play at all in 2002. And then in 2003, he was replaced as starter because he fumbled six times in the opening season game and he was released. And then signed with the Giants where he uh, was replaced in the middle of the season by rookie Eli Manning. And at that point became a free agent. He signed a one-year contract with Arizona Cardinals. And man, he just, uh, you know, he took off. Uh, But then he was replaced by another rookie quarterback, uh, which was uh, Matt Leinart out of USC. So finally, Warner regains his job and um, ends up leading the Cardinals to the first playoff appearance in years. And the Super Bowl against the Steelers, they lost another very close Super Bowl. Warner threw for 377 yards, making him the record holder for the top three passing yard totals in Super Bowl history at that time. So it's just even after his second setback, he comes back to another Super Bowl. Having He retires as a four-time All-Pro, three Super Bowls, threw over 100 touchdowns for two different teams, one of the one of the really great clutch players and also became an NFL man of the year, which has to do with your off the field contributions. So just an, an amazing story of an undrafted guy who can't even get a job, was working at a grocery store, who plays in arena football in the NFL Europe, trying to get his shot, finally gets his shot, wins the Super Bowl, then then once has an injury and has another setback, comes back from that, back to the Super Bowl. Quite a story. All right, here's my next next one, Serena Williams. Incredible career from very meager beginnings in Compton, California to the world's number one tennis player. 22 Grand Slam titles, 14 Grand Slam double titles, doubles titles with her sister Venus. In 2003, she won four consecutive Grand Slam tournaments. Just absolutely amazing. But then... In July 2010, she stepped on some broken glass while leaving a restaurant in Germany, and she injured a tendon in her right foot. She had surgery to repair it, planned to return to tennis in the fall, but she re-injured her foot, had a second operation in October. Then, in February of the next year, she suffered a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot in her lung, after flying from New York to Los Angeles. She saw her doctor, and they performed a CT scan, discovered the clot then she had to be immobilized for six months in two different casts after her foot surgeries then being sedentary allowed blood to pool in her legs increasing the risk of a clot that can move to other parts of the body then now listen it goes on then a few weeks later she developed a hematoma i've had one it's not pleasant a pocket of blood that swells under under the skin she had hers in her stomach i had mine on my shin that happened after she gave herself an injection of blood thinning medication that had been described prescribed to her to treat the clots in her lung. She hit a blood vessel. 
Her blood didn't clot. She started bleeding on the inside. The hematoma started out being the size of a golf ball, ended up being the size of a grapefruit. Serena was rushed to the hospital where doctors had to remove the hematoma surgically. All of these health scares took a toll on her. She couldn't function like normal, playing tennis, driving, working out, even walking. She spent a lot of time at home during her recovery. Not easy for a person used to going 200 miles an hour every day. Very discouraged. There was a time she didn't even leave her house for two days when she was at her lowest. Her mental health struggles brought her to a place where she thought she may never play tennis again. But in 2011, mid-2011, she began her comeback. And over the next four years, she would win eight Grand Slams. So again, let's just pause. All that bad stuff that happened to her health-wise. And now she comes out of all that and wins eight Grand Slam titles. Won the gold medal in the 2012 Olympics. WTA Tour Champion 2012, 13, 14, 15. Oldest player to reach and hold the world number one and to win a Grand Slam tournament. Dominated. Absolutely dominated. She again completed in 2015 the Serena Slam. All four Grand Slam tournaments won consecutively. Incredible success after a really, really, really bad Bad, bad, bad health situation. Became Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year in 2015. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. How about we switch up now? Post-war Germany and Japan. The aftermath of World War II left Germany and Japan devastated. Most of the large cities destroyed. Countless lives lost. Shortages in food and housing and transportation. Not to mention the humiliation of worldwide defeat. Couldn't get much bigger setback, but those governments and economies completely restructured after the war. And it's just amazing what took place. Their comebacks are miraculous. Germany and Japan are the third and fourth largest economies in the world. There's us, America, there's China, there's Germany, there's Japan. Now to go from total devastation to being number three and number four in the world... It's amazing. Japan lost 2 million lives. Over 100 cities were destroyed. Industrial production was at less than 10% at pre, of pre-war levels. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, their, their economy was just in shambles, absolute shambles. But they started focusing on modern technology, HD TVs, DVDs players, audio equipment, and they just remade themselves and and they used their technology focus to grow in an incredibly large rate. The Germans, uh, you know, they had lived under price controls for 12 years with Hitler and rationing for nine. And I mean, man, oh man. So industrial production um, ramped up just 50% once the, the war got over and they started being able to, to, to get it together. Uh, that their their economy just was able to, to take off. Then Germany was reunified in 1990, and that brought about another incredible comeback. More laborers, more industries, and and they've just become just an amazing. I've been I've been to Germany. I mean, it is a, it is a well oiled machine. All right. Let's we got to get moving to finish this on time here. The I'm going to say the 1993 playoff game with the Buffalo Bills. Now, you know, you may say, hey, Rick, uh, 
What about the Patriots comeback in the Super Bowl? And it is incredible, but this is the greatest postseason comeback, even greater than what the uh, Patriots did. But it's certainly arguable about which one of these was greater because you could say, well, that was the Super Bowl. This was a playoff game. Yeah, but this was a greater, even a greater comeback. Um, the Oilers had beaten the Bills 28-3 to the week before. <laughs> so, you know, it didn't look good. And then Warren Moon had already thrown for 220 yards and four touchdowns at halftime. They were losing 28-3. to They lost the game previously 28-3. to They were losing 28-3 to at halftime. Went down 35-3. to And then the comeback began. Uh, it's just an, an incredible story. They, they uh, a remarkable, remarkable, stupid decision by the Oilers to do a squib kick that the Bills recovered, got in great field position, scored their first touchdown. And then um, they tried an onside kick and uh, the Bills did. And they were successful four plays later. Don Beebe scores another touchdown. Then the Bills force the others to punt for the first time in the game. Short punt, 25 yards. Bills score again. And all of a sudden, it's 35-24. In 10 minutes into the third quarter, the Bills had scored 21 points. And the Oilers had run three plays for three yards. Bills then intercepted Moon, scored on a fourth, fourth down attempt. Another touchdown pass, this time to Andre Reid. It's just, it's just an amazing story. In fact, they actually went ahead 38-35. Then finally, the Oilers went on a drive and got a field goal to tie it and send it to overtime, just like the other greatest comeback in football in the Super Bowl with the Patriots also went into overtime. Very similar scenario. Oilers then won the coin toss, but could have won the game without the Bills ever getting the ball, but Moon threw an interception. Reich led the Bills down the field. They kicked a 32-yard field goal and won the game. Incredible, unbelievable. Here's another incredible. Uh, this one, as a New Englander, is as sweet as they come. For me, native New Englander and the Red Sox, 2004 playoffs. The Red Sox hadn't won the World Series in so many years. They were incredibly successful in the beginning of football, baseball. They won uh, the very first World Series. It was won by, by the Red Sox, and they won four more World Championships. Things looked very bright, and then what's called the curse of the Bambino, and the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees, and they never won another championship. They had played in four World Series, but never won any of them, even with people like uh, Ted Williams and, and Kari Skremski, two of the greatest players ever to play baseball. 2004, they're playing the hated Yankees, their rivals, and they, they lost the, the, the first three games. No one had ever come back from a 3-0 deficit to win a postseason series ever in Major League history. And Game 4 went into extra innings. And Big Poppy, David Ortiz, walk-off homer. Game 5 went to extra innings. Ortiz had an RBI single. <laughs> and the Red Sox then went back to Yankee Stadium. And... It's just incredible story, pitching of Kurt Schilling with stitches in his ankle. Now they would won three games and even the series. Incredibly, the Yankees, feeling the pressure, lost that game as well. And really, that's unbelievable. The greatest comeback ever in postseason history. But then they went on to win the World Series 
Um, the only team against the Cardinals, the only team that has more World Series than the Red Sox is the Yankees and the Cardinals. And they played the Cardinals and they won four straight games against the Cardinals in the World Series and swept them. And the greatest comeback was complete. Abraham Lincoln, unbelievable story. Uh, grew up in, in incredibly challenging circumstances. I am a Lincoln guy. I can tell you all about Lincoln. Uh, red, red, red. But he, he just was somebody who uh, tried his hand at business and failed not once but twice. His first true love died of probably typhoid fever. He had what most of us would call today a nervous breakdown. He just failed at all kinds of things in his life. But he did get elected to the Illinois House of Representatives. But then he tried to run for Congress and lost. He ran for the U.S. Senate twice and lost. (laughs) He ran as vice president, lost. Previous to his run for president, Lincoln had only won one national election his entire political career. And yet, he would become the president in 1860 and lead our country through the greatest challenge it has ever faced by far. His deft political skill and leadership acumen with dealing with all these challenges was just absolutely incredible. He gave two incredible speeches and just, wow, just led this country, got reelected, saved America. America would not be what it is today without Abraham Lincoln. He started out with incredible setbacks and had a marvelous, amazing comeback to be the greatest president America's ever known. All right, that's pretty hard to beat, but here's number one. This one really is in a landslide, and that would be the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no more important person that ever lived than Jesus, and yet he was killed. He died, and then he rose up from the grave. That is the ultimate setback death, the ultimate comeback resurrection, and there's no, there's nothing that really can match the resurrection of Jesus as the greatest comeback of all time. And of course, his comeback becomes our comeback because when we accept Christ into our lives or receive forgiveness for our sins, we then are guaranteed a spot in heaven. So we go from the setback of sin to the comeback of heaven, all because of the comeback of Jesus. So the resurrection of Jesus, number one on our list, top 10 greatest comebacks of all time. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.